Before we get started with this episode of American Rabbi Project, a few quick things. First of all, if you like what you're hearing, please consider donating to this podcast. You can do so by going to my website, rabbiproject.com, and clicking on the Donate tab. Also, I am officially on the speaking circuit, so to say. If you're interested in having me speak to your group of any size, please shoot me an email, justin at rabbiproject.com. Once again, justin at rabbiproject.com. And of course, I can do virtual presentations. Finally, everyone interviewed for this podcast speaks solely for themselves. Welcome to the American Rabbi Project a podcast about American Judaism from the perspectives of rabbis across the country. My name is Justin Regan, and a few months ago, I did something pretty crazy. I left my job as a public radio reporter in Arizona to go for a road trip around the United States. In the end, I traveled more than 14,000 miles, visited most places you'd see in a classic America montage, reconnected with friends and family, and seriously had an adventure. But road trips are more than just an opportunity to see the country and spike your cholesterol levels. It's a time to learn something. And for me, the focus of my trip was on learning about a topic very close to me, Judaism. I'm from a secular interfaith family and grew more into my Jewishness in my teen years in college. And at times, I can struggle with my identity, a Jewish tradition. Jews these days, we seem to be in an interesting place. In America, we're enjoying a certain level of security and acceptance that we've almost never had before. It appears to go against the grain of a traditional mantra that Jews are constantly on the move due to discrimination and genocide. And older generations are quick to talk about how other countries were similar to this until it all went south. And in a terrifying way, it seems like that might be coming true. There's been a greatly recorded increase in anti-Semitic activity the last few years. Swastikas tagged on Jewish spaces, cemeteries getting vandalized, Nazis marching through the streets of Charlottesville chanting, Jews will not replace us, Louis Farrakhan calling Jews satanic, and 11 worshipers massacred at the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh. Hence why every Jew seems to come with their own sword of Damocles above their head. But is America different? At least on paper, this country is a multicultural democracy, something that's never really been done before. There's no state religion or class system, and there's equal protection of people's rights. Again, can't stress this enough, at least on paper. So that triggers the identity struggle. Are you more Jewish or more American? Is there a balance? Does it even matter? That phantom spectrum seems to wiggle its way into many a conversation. Does the freedom of the U.S. move us away from our Judaism, or is it simply evolving instead of dissolving? There are discussions over interfaith marriage, observing Shabbat, and of course the sexiest of topics, Israel. And that's what I was mulling over on my travels, and why I decided to talk to at least one rabbi in every state about their thoughts on American Judaism, the positives, the challenges, and the personal stories behind it. We tend to not have priests in modern Judaism. Rabbis instead are teachers, which makes them great subjects to interview as they always have lessons to give about the complex animal of American Jewry. 
I'd never go so far as to say this project truly answers any question. I'm not that full of myself. But hopefully it helps make things a little more understandable. And hopefully you'll join me for this. Episode 1, Arizona. I met you on Sinai. And the Yellow Pages. This project starts where I left. Flagstaff, Arizona. I spent the last eight years of my life there. I came for college, then stayed for work. It's a small mountain university town, and politically speaking, it's the usual blue dot in a now more purple ocean, complete with a historic downtown, urban trails, beer and bikes, pines and peaks, and growing pains, spurred on by a university that packs in freshmen every year. I like to joke that everyone has been through Flagstaff. I-40, Highway 89, and iconic Route 66 run through it. Go one direction and you get to LA, the other you're in Albuquerque, or Phoenix, or Salt Lake City, or the Grand Canyon. So it's a southwestern crossroad town between major Jewish areas. From a Jewish standpoint, you might not think it has a lot. There are no Jewish day schools. Hillel lacks a strong presence on campus. And you can't even find a good Reuben sandwich. Believe me, I spent eight years searching to no avail. But there is a vibrant community, and that's thanks in part to Rabbi Dovi Shapiro. Hi, um, it's Rabbi Dovi Shapiro here in Flagstaff, Arizona. I would define my job as being the one responsible for taking care of the Jewish community of Flagstaff as a whole and each individual and bringing our Jewish community to greater heights. Shapiro fits the bill of a traditional-looking rabbi. Long beard, black hat, and a lot of energy, which could be generated from either youthful vigor or spiritual content. In another traditional style, his oldest kid was recently bar mitzvahed and his youngest was circumcised the next day. So he seems a bit old-school Jewish, in a town that is anything but. The synagogue is a modified storefront that most people drive to. It can be hard to have complete services every week. Many congregants have beards, but for Flagstaff reasons, not religious ones. Really, I think the biggest challenge is that people, Jewish people moving to Flagstaff are not moving here because of Jewish life in, in the community. They're moving here because they move here for their job. They move there because they love Flagstaff. They specifically don't mind not being in large Jewish communities, and many of the Jewish people didn't know each other before we moved here. But Shapiro and his wife Chaya did move here for Jewish reasons. They're part of an organization called Chabad, an Orthodox group that works to grow people in their Judaism. Back in the 1940s, then-Chabad leader Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, or the Rebbe as Chabad calls him, moved to the United States and started sending rabbis and their wives as emissaries to all sorts of places with the intention of building Jewish communities. It was the situation the Shapiros were in 12 years ago. After coming to Flagstaff and seeing this beautiful city um, in, in the mountains, in the, in the nestled in the pines, it being a community, it also being a college campus, being a place for second homeowners coming out of the, who want to get out of the heat of Phoenix, and also the um, visitors from all over the world coming to the Grand Canyon, we really felt that this is a beautiful place. The foundation of the Flagstaff Jewish community was started back in the 60s, when several families, led by Dr. Merrill and Rhoda Abbasaus, formed the lay-led congregation Hechal Ba Oranim, or Temple in the Pines. It has since gotten its own rabbi and renamed Lev Shalom. 
The town became a focal point for northern Arizona Jewry. People would come from nearby towns, and some even hiked out of the Grand Canyon to go to high holiday services in someone's living room. Shapiro built upon that when he arrived. He knows in small towns, sometimes you have to bring the synagogue to the Jew. So he's always got his ears perked for Jewish-sounding names like Katz or Goldberg or Regan. And a lot of it was going through the phone books or one person telling us about, oh, yeah, I have a friend who's Jewish or meeting someone in the grocery store um, or, or driving on the street and seeing a Jewish name and, you know, going into the business and saying, oh, I'm a rabbi in town. Are you Jewish? And, you know, I'd love to connect. But, it, but it, it is fascinating how some of those chance in, encounters, which I believe are all divine providence, really, how, you know, a community could be built just in, in that way of, you know, reaching out and connecting the dots of the Jewish community. After 12 years of flipping through phone books and bumping into other members of the tribe at stores, the community is growing. Dozens of students attend weekly Shabbat dinners at the Shapiro's house. Again, some services can be small, but events and holidays draw large crowds. A second Chabad couple are now on the payroll, and possibly biggest of all is that work is underway on a $6.5 million Jewish community center funded in part by the Molly Blank Fund. Shapiro says finding this success in a small mountain town is all about approaching things from a different angle. I think a lot of larger communities take things for granted that everyone knows, you know, where we are in the prayer book, in, in the prayer services, what page we're on, and everyone and, and you assume that everyone knows why we do things and why we're reading these prayers at this certain time. One of the things that we made sure early on is not to take anything for granted um, and to explain everything um, in, in, in a meaningful way. But... There have been challenges along the way. Most of all is the obvious, funding. It can be hard to get donations in a rural Arizona town. In the past, his family has missed bill payments and taken out loans. Things have stabilized now, but it was hairy at times. However, that just reminds Shapiro of a lesson he took away from a book on billionaire Elon Musk. At certain points in life, you almost have to get to the point where you could even lose everything, but you're so dedicated to what you're doing that somehow it all comes together. And I believe it's with Hashem's blessings. I believe it's when we do things that, that we believe in and we, we do things for the, for the good of the world. I really believe that at the end it all, it all works out. In many ways, Shapiro considers this a success story, albeit one that's still being written. He and his young family landed in a small mountain town 12 years ago with a minimal Jewish presence. They worked hard, struggled financially, and now they have a vibrant community with a new synagogue on the way and more programming than ever, not to mention many stories of college kids and even some seasoned adults who grew more in their Judaism thanks in part to the community they expanded. For Shapiro, this is the American dream. That's what America represents. America is a place where you can make things happen in a different way than in other countries where it's so much more difficult and you could think big and you could dream big. And I think that's what, that's what it represents being a rabbi in America. I think you have those opportunities to dream in, in ways that even earlier Jewish communities didn't have that opportunity. And, and uh, we just ask Hashem that we should always have this, this freedom. Now, this was one of several interviews done before the Pittsburgh tragedy, and later episodes will go into that more. But the apparent increase in anti-Semitic activity was known and feared by pretty much every Jew well before that. The Anti-Defamation League cites a 57% increase in reported anti-Semitic incidents in 2017. 
The FBI says reported incidents were in decline through most of the new century until it started rising again in 2016. It's hurtful. It's surprising. You know, you, you, you think the world has come so far from anti-Semitism, but it does remind you that unfortunately it's there. It's almost like a disease that just because you don't see it on the outside, it doesn't mean it's not there. And anti-Semitism is no different than a disease. It's unfortunate. It's a lack of education. It's sad. For Shapiro, it's about staying positive. He's personally never had a hateful experience in Flagstaff, even though he looks, quote, Jewish 24-7. He also says he spent a lot of time in Europe, and it doesn't compare. There's just There was never a sense that I felt like in America where we have our justice system, that the protection that there is and the sense of the, the protection of everyone's rights you somehow don't feel as much in Europe. Even walking down the streets in Europe, sometimes you would get faces and you would get someone would even spit at you. You just you, you don't see that in America. You don't feel that in America. And although it may be there, you know, somewhere, you know, underlying in some groups of society, I think I really do believe that it is that our that this country is a gift um, that we have. And we should just be extremely grateful that we have it and that we can feel safe over here. Yet. Shapiro also shares a concern heard in a lot of Jewish circles. The idea that a lack of hostility towards Jews is freeing people up to move away from their Judaism, to assimilate into a more secular life. This concern is backed by data from the Pew Research Center, which shows an increase in American Jews who say they're not religious. It's especially the case among younger generations. I think that it's like a double-edged sword where it's a blessing, but on the other side, it's, uh, it could be a curse. And it's our job, but it's like everything in life. You know, money is, is, is the greatest blessing, but it could also lead, you know, it could, it could also be used in negative ways. Anything powerful. And I think this free, the power of freedom, the gift of freedom could be used in the most beautiful way, but it could also be taken for granted. And you could also lose that sense of Judaism. But here's a catch. That same study also shows the vast majority of Jews, including more than 80 percent of non-religious Jews, are proud to be Jewish. That plays well with Shapiro's strategy of preservation through positivity. That's why counteracting the freedom with this beautiful sense of pride, which I think that's, such, that's a bit, very big part of what the Rebbe taught, is being proud of your Judaism, not in, not in a condescending way at all, um, but like being proud of your Judaism and having public, public menorah lines on Hanukkah and doing events in City Hall where we're just proud of it and we want to share it with others in this positive way. And we welcome everyone and we don't judge anyone and we're, we don't proselytize, but we are proud of our Judaism and we're prou proud of what Judaism has brought to the world. Because for many, Judaism is more than a religion, but also an identity. But that's where the spectrum comes back into play. How does living in America change that identity? Are you more American or more Jewish? For Shapiro, this point's kind of moot because he says Judaism is something that transcends this dynamic. I think, you know, as Americans, you know, we are extremely patriotic. We, we love our country and we're so blessed to be in this country. But at the same time, a Jew is who we are at the core. If we if we lived in another country, we would we would still be Jewish. Wherever we were, we would be Jewish. And our and our Judaism is our inner identity. Your nationalism is just something that that you take on. You really choose that. 
I think that being a Jew is, it's not even about being more, more important than the other. It's just an identity of who you are. So this also leads to the other big question of how Jewish are you? What traditions and practices do you follow and which do you not? Everyone has their own mix. This brings about different denominations, which we'll touch on more in later episodes. Shapiro is very traditional. He eats kosher with no exceptions. On Shabbat, he doesn't drive, use electricity, or do a lot of other things. He doesn't touch a woman he's not related to, and his services have men and women seated on different sides of the room. However, in other ways, his family has to make concessions. The Jewish day schools and kosher restaurants of Phoenix are two hours away, so it's a drive to get to any serious Jewish infrastructure. The Shapiros make up for this by homeschooling their kids in an online Jewish school. If we just let them assimilate, then there, there would be no future Judaism through them in many ways, or it would be much harder for them. But we want them to be proud of their Judaism. We want them to know what it means to be a Jew and to live as a Jew, and they'll continue that on to the next generation. But yet we're doing that here in Flagstaff. And at the same time, not insulated at all and being totally open to the community and welcoming everyone to our homes. He says that unity is important for growth, especially in small towns, which is why he keeps politics out of his sermons. So to talk politics in the synagogue today is basically saying that it's more important to talk about these issues over the people, that the issues are more important than the people. And we find actually going back to the to the Moses, that there were times that Moses was willing to break the tablets. It says he actually broke the t- tablets to save the Jewish people. It's a very powerful lesson that the people are more important than the ideas. The people are even more important than the mitzvahs, meaning if someone breaks a mitzvah, do you break your connection with them? No, God forbid, you still love them. That means that the person is higher than than, than those values. And that's the highest value, your love for another person. And I think that's why the synagogue has to be a place where you could come and you could connect to your Judaism beyond politics. Some of the worst things that have happened to the Jewish community in history have happened when the Jewish community was divided. Now imagine you divide the Jewish community by Democrats and Republicans. You're basically, there's a, you're polarizing half of the Jewish community and that's, that causes an extreme divisiveness. And it says in a place where there's divisiveness, Hashem doesn't rest in that place. Then I asked him if he's ever been tempted to talk politics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I know many rabbis who were tempted and some who even did it and then regretted it later. And now the only topic more fun than politics, interfaith marriage. Pugh says more than half of American Jews who got married since 2000 wedded outside of the religion. That's more than a threefold increase in the last 50 years. With the numbers the way they are, Shapiro says it can't be ignored. The Torah does teach us how to live our lives and does teach us, you know, the most meaningful things. And one of the teachings in Judaism is uh, about a Jew marrying a Jew. And there's something very, very special about it that cannot be, that can't be even be explained. There's, there's just like there's many things in the Torah that this is the way Hashem told it to us. And, and we may not understand it, but there's, there's blessings in it and there's, there's certain benefits. With that said, it's like it's so many other things that... I don't want it to take away in any way from someone who has had another another experience. We have many people who come to Chabad that they themselves are married to someone who's not Jewish. And that doesn't take away whatsoever from them being Jewish 
or their connection to their Judaism or, or how welcoming we are to them or their children. This is where we are right now. This is, this is life in America. Intermarriage rates are extremely high. And our job is not to sit and focus on the negative or focus on the way it should be. Our job is to focus on to give people meaningful Jewish experiences and to give it not, not just to the Jewish spouse, but even to the, their spouse who's not Jewish. They could come they, they, and, and they're, they're, they're a part of the community like, like anyone else. But if someone would ask me my opinion, I would have to, and not just out of a sense of just an obligation, but that's the, truly the way that I feel, that if I, Hashem has given us a mitzvah, there's, the, the mitzvah is there for a reason. There are many blessings that come with it. Those are, that's, uh, those are my thoughts. It's an interesting facet of small-town Judaism. Shapiro is a very traditional rabbi, serving a congregation that transcends denominations, observance, and even beliefs on what practices are acceptable and what aren't. He says it's about looking past that, towards the mantra that a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. And, and, and I think it's such a powerful message because, especially today when we live in a world where it's so divided and so polarizing, the way we see every single Jew is that it doesn't matter, you know, how much they do, how much they know, um, where they are in their Judaism. If they're loved by God right now, I have to love them just like God. Like, there's no difference. Chabad is in a lot of ways an inherently American organization. Though it started in the, quote, old country, Rabbi Schneerson came to the United States to start a mission with the philosophy of Jewish pride, regardless of where they are in the world even a small place like Flagstaff, Arizona. Shapiro says with Jews today, it doesn't actually matter what level of observance they are as long as they're growing. Our actions have tremendous impact. One mitzvah, you know, someone can say, oh, what's one mitzvah? But one mitzvah, when you put on tefillin or you light Shabbat candles or you give charity or you show up to the synagogue on Yom Kippur or on Shabbat, um, having a Shabbat meal, any mitzvah that we do or an act of kindness to another person, we don't realize the impact that it has in the world. And Maimonides actually wrote that every person should view themselves and the whole world like it's on a scale. And one mitzvah could be the tipping scale to bring Mashiach. That one mitzvah that you do could actually be the tipping scale to change the world for the better. And, uh, and, and the world, just like everything has a t- tipping point, the world also has a tipping point. And there, there's, there's going to be one mitzvah that one of us does that's going to be the tipping point to make the world Um, the world that we're all hoping for with the coming of Mashiach. Rabbi Dovi Shapiro helped me grow in my Judaism and light that spark to explore it further. So I guess you could say he either gets a good amount of credit or blame for this project, depending on your preference. Like every Jew who's ever existed in the history of forever, he's got a lot of strong opinions about a lot of things. And some stuff I agree with and others I don't. And that's probably how you're feeling right now, too. And that's what this project is. Every episode, you'll hear a different take on these topics from a rabbi with a different background and outlook. Everyone has something unique to say because there's nothing more Jewish than that. This was episode one of the American Rabbi Project, Arizona. I met you on Sinai and the Yellow Pages. It was written and produced by me, Justin Regan. As of now, I'm the only person fully working on the project, which leads to some pretty tense staff meetings. But I would like to thank some people for either assisting me on the podcast, the trip, or both. Thank you to Jeremy Crones, Sarit Rathbone, Beth Vanderstoop, Derek Pova, and Dylan Abrams for the assistance. 
And thank you to my parents for script reading and breaking with all Jewish and Catholic stereotypes by supporting my decision to leave my university job with benefits to travel and produce a podcast that I voice in their bedroom closet. If you didn't understand some of the terms used in this episode, fret not, a few of them went over my head as well. I've included an index on the episode page on my website, rabbiproject.com. Once again, that is rabbiproject.com. If you want to get in touch with me, I have an email address. Feel free to send any questions, comments, or concerns to roadtrip at rabbiproject.com. Once again, that is roadtrip at rabbiproject.com. Rabbi has two B's in it. As for social media, uh, I'll figure that out next time. And until next time, shalom and safe driving. Mm